Chapter Nine of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Nine. He haunted that door in the shutter more than ever in the hope of seeing Violet Usher. Not that he wanted to haunt it. It was as if, set his feet southward as he would, they were turned back irresistibly and drawn eastward in the direction of the door there was nothing furtive and secret in his haunting he had a right to hang about starker's for he knew miss usher now he had been formally introduced to her by winnie as they left the polytechnic together on the night of the grand display winnie preoccupied with her own performance on the parallel bars had remained unaware of their communion in the gallery and violet usher had evidently judged it best to say nothing about their previous interviews the introducing of course made all the difference in the world for ransome reckless as he was respected the conventions where women were concerned he had seen too much of the secret and furtive ways of other fellows and he knew what their hanging about meant it meant in nine cases out of ten that they wanted kicking badly and ranny would have told you gravely that in his experience it was the swells who wanted kicking most of all the fellows the shop assistants and the young clerks like himself were fairly decent but sometimes they wanted kicking too and in any case the flabby way they fooled about with girls and their silly goats talk outraged ranny it made a girl cheap and kept other fellows off her it didn't give her her chance it wasn't cricket he was prepared to kick personally any fellow he found making winnie diamond or violet usher cheap not that winnie lent herself to cheapness but about violet he was not quite sure and if you had asked why not he would have told you it was because she was so different by which he meant so dangerously so disastrously feminine and innocent and pretty he knew now she had jolly well shown him that winnie could take care of herself but violet no she was too impulsive too helpless too confiding to think of her waiting for him like that for a fellow she'd never met before in oxford street at closing time how did she know that he wasn't a blackguard supposing it had been some other fellow ranny's muscles quivered as he thought of violet's innocence and violet's danger all this was luminously clear to ranny but when he asked himself why and to what end he himself desired to cultivate her acquaintance it was there that obscurity set in one thing he was sure about he did not intend to marry her if he couldn't afford to marry winnie he most certainly could not afford to marry violet not for years and years so many years that you might just as well say never and have done with it violet was not the sort of girl you could ask to wait for you years and years his youth was not too sanguine to divine in her the makings of a more expensive woman than even a petty cashier could afford to be sure ranny did not enter into any sordid calculations neither did he think the thing out in so many words for in this matter of violet usher he was incapable of any sustained and connected thought it came to him the utter hopelessness of it in glimpses and by flashes as he sat at his high desk in the counting-house but no flashes came to him with the question why then did he keep on running after violet usher he ran because he couldn't help it because of the sheer excitement of the running because he was venturesome and because of the very mystery and danger of the adventure but though he hung round starker's evening after evening from the middle to the very end of october he never once caught sight of violet usher 
winnie he caught as often as not now that he had given up trying to catch her sometimes he caught her at starker's sometimes at their old corner by the gymnasium and whenever he caught her he walked home with her if winnie did not positively seek capture she no longer positively evaded it she was no longer afraid of him recognizing no doubt that he wanted nothing of her that he would never worry her again it was as if she had given him his lesson and was content now that he had learned it one night early in november as they were going over wandsworth bridge the question that had been burning in him suddenly flared up what has become of your friend miss usher nothing said winnie has become of her she's gone home her father sent for her whatever for to look after her she should never have left home then she told him what she knew of violet bit by bit as he drew it out of her she was very fond of violet violet had pretty ways that made you fond of her everybody was fond of violet only her people they'd been a bit too harsh and strict with her winnie fancied not that she knew anything but what violet had told her where was her home in the country down in hertfordshire her father was a farmer a small farmer the trouble was that violet couldn't bear the country she wouldn't stay a day in it if she could help it she was all for life she'd been about a year in town no winnie hadn't known her for a year only for a few months really since she came to starker's she'd been in several situations before that she was assistant at the ribbon counter at starker's the clerks didn't have anything to do with the shop girls as a rule but winnie thought the custom silly and stuck up anyhow she'd taken a fancy to violet seeing her go in and out and violet needed a deal of looking after she was like a child a spoiled child with little ways winnie had tried her best to take care of her but she couldn't be taking care of her all the time she was glad she had gone home though she was so fond of her but she was afraid she wouldn't stay long you think said ransome she'll come back i shouldn't be surprised if she turned up any day and you'll take care of her yes i shall take care of her he looked at her and for a moment it revived it stirred in his heart that odd mingled sense of absurdity and tenderness she would come back he told himself she would come back meanwhile he could call his soul his own to say nothing of his body under all the shock of it ransome felt a certain relief in realizing that violet usher had gone it was as if some danger half discerned had been hanging over him and had gone with her but winter and spring passed and she did not come back they passed monotonously like all the springs and winters he had known he had got his rise at michaelmas but he was free from the obsession of the matrimonial idea and all that he now looked forward to was an indefinite extension of the athletic life in june of nineteen four he entered for the wandsworth athletic sports he hoped to win the silver cup for the hurdle race against fred booty as he had done last year wandsworth was sure of its j r f ransom putney and wimbledon competing were not sending any better men than they had sent last year and this year as booty owned ransom was a fair masterpiece a young miracle of fitness his admirable form hitherto equal to young booty's was improved by strenuous training and at his worst he had what booty hadn't a fire and a spirit a power utterly incalculable of sudden uprush and outburst like the loosening of a secret energy when he flagged it would rise in him and sting him to the spurt but while it made him the darling of the crowd it was apt to upset the betting of experts at the last minute 
there is a level field not far from wandsworth which is let for football matches and athletic sports railings and broken hedges and a few elm trees belt the field all round the space marked out for the contest a ring of ropes held back the straining crowd and all round within the ring went the course for the mile flat race down one side of the field facing the grandstand was the course for the jumping for the hundred yards flat race and for the hurdle race which was the last event on this side where the crowd was thickest the rope was supplemented by a wooden barrier the starting post was on the right near the entrance to the field the winning post on the left directly opposite the grandstand those who could not buy tickets for the grandstand had to secure front places at the barrier if they wished to see anything here then there was a tight-packed line of men and women youths and girls with an excited child here and there squeezed in among them or squatting at their feet under the barrier here were young tyser and buist and wauchope of the polytechnic who had come to cheer and here by the winning post well in the front having been there since the gates were open were maudie hollis and winnie diamond in flower-wreathed hats and clean white frocks behind conspicuous in their seats on the grandstand as became them were mr and mrs randall and with them was ranny's mother for all these persons there was but one event the hurdle race for all of them expectant concentrated on the imminence of the final heat there was but one distraction and that was the remarkable behaviour of a young woman who had arrived too late for a satisfactory place among the crowd she had wriggled and struggled through the rear with such success that her way to the front row was obstructed only by the bodies of two small children they were firmly wedged yet not so firmly but that a determined young woman could detach them by exerting adequate pressure this she did and having loosened the little creatures from their foothold she partly lifted partly shoved them behind her and slipped into their places at the barrier this high-handed act roused the resentment of a young man the parent or guardian of the children she wanted to know what she thought she was doing shoving there and told her that the kids had as much right to see the blooming show as she had and he'd trouble her to give him back the place she'd taken and it was then that the young woman revealed herself as remarkable for she turned and bent upon that young man a pair of black brows with blue eyes smiling under them and said to him in a vivid voice that penetrated to the grandstand excuse me but i do so want to see and the young man instead of making the obvious retort took off his hat and begged her pardon and gave her more room than she had taken well said mr randall for he had been observing her for some time with sidelong appreciation some people have a way with them some people have impudence said mrs randall and if it was you or me bessie mrs ransome said it wouldn't have been made so easy for us i see you wanting to shove anybody emmy said her brother if i did i shouldn't begin with little innocent children i should shove some one of my own size then they were silent and paid no more attention to the young woman and her ways for far down at the end of the course the racers the winners of the first four heats were being ranged for the start four abreast the two young men from putney and wimbledon on the inside of the course fred booty in the middle and ransome outside booty knew that starting even with his rival he hadn't much of a chance as for the young men from putney and wimbledon they would be nowhere of those four young bodies ransome's was by far the finest even booty with his wild slenderness and fawn-like grace could not be compared with ransome 
so well knit so perfect in every limb was he beside him the two young men from putney and wimbledon were distinctly weedy he stood poised with head uplifted his keen mouth tight shut his nostrils dilated his eyes gazing forward intent on the signal for the start his brown hair soaked in the sweat of the first heat and then sun-dried was crisped and curled about his head under his white gauze zephyr and black running drawers the charged muscles quivered his whole body was a quivering vehicle for the leashed soul of speed the pistol-shot was fired they let themselves go from far up the course by the winning post where winnie leaned out over the barrier it was as if at the first row of hurdles four bodies leaped into the air like one and wriggled there at the sixth row well in sight two bodies booty and ransom soared clean and dropped together putney and wimbledon rose wriggling close behind their drop at the seventh row ransom was in front divided from booty by an almost imperceptible interval putney and wimbledon were several yards behind at the eighth and the ninth hurdles he rose gloriously and alone booty dropped with a dull thud a yard behind him putney and wimbledon were nowhere nobody looked at them as they went lolloping unevenly dejectedly over their seventh hurdle and now booty was catching up but the race was ransom's he knew it booty knew it the field knew it ranny's mother knew it little shivers went up and down her back there was a painful constriction in her throat and tears of excitement in her eyes her hand was clenched convulsively over her pocket-handkerchief which had rolled itself into a ball she had been holding herself in for she knew that these symptoms would increase when she saw ranny her boy come running below at the barrier there were hoarse cries shrill cries deep shouting go it ransom go it old wandsworth wandsworth wins tyser and buis and wauchope were yelling stick it ranny stick it stick it stick it the last voice which was wauchope's died away in a groan somebody was leaning over the barrier on a line with the last hurdles somebody stretched out an arm and shook a little white handkerchief at him as he came on somebody caught his eyes and struck him with a blue flash under black brows she struck and fixed him as he ran to his last leap he looked at her and started and stood staggering with checked speed and as he staggered booty rose slenderly and dropped and rushed on to the tape line at the winning post the white tape fluttered across him as he breasted it booty had won the race they cheered him they were bound to cheer the winner but at the barrier and from the grand stand there burst forth a more frantic uproar of applause as ransom recovered himself and took his last hurdle at a stand it was all very well to cheer him but he was beaten beaten in the race that was his he staggered out of the course hanging his head and heedless of his friends and of booty's hand on his bent shoulder he went and hid himself in the dressing-tent and there in the dressing-tent his fawn-like face more sanguine than ever in his passion booty burst out like a young lunatic he swore most horribly he swore at the umpire he swore at ransom he swore at everybody all round the more ranny congratulated him the more he swore at him he called ranny a blanky young fool and asked him what the blanky did it for he said it was a blanky shame and that if anybody tried to give him a blanky cup he'd throw it at him even when they'd calmed him down a bit he still swore that he'd give ranny the cup for ranny'd given him the race he explained to them in his horse's tones that it stood to reason he could never have got in with the pace ranny'd got on him it wasn't fair he said it was a fluke a blanky fluke 
and round him tizer and buist and walchope clamoured in the tent and agreed with him declaring that it wasn't fair of course it was a fluke a blanky fluke and ranny though he told booty to dry up and stow it though he put it to tizer and buist and wachope that it wasn't any blanky fluke that it couldn't well be fairer seeing how he'd funked it at the finish ranny knew in his heart that somewhere there was something queer about it he couldn't think why on earth he'd funked it that night in her little room in st anne's terrace winnie lay awake and cried violet usher had come back End of chapter 9 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine